So this podcast is on youth sports. And I have asked you uh, last week to look into college sports and the entire unit was on college sports. And I do it in that order for a reason. I think that the themes and the expectations that we see playing out in sports settings are coming from the top down. So whatever is expected of college athletes, I think that those expectations start to dribble down into high school sports and then youth sports and really start to shape the game and shape what those institutions even look like. Because youth sport is an institution, high school sports are an institution. So uh, this podcast, like I said, I'll talk a little bit about youth sports. And what I really want you to capture here, and not just while you listen to this, but as you reflect on it, and as you do the reading, and as you look into the lecture, um, and through the lecture notes, think about the, the benefits, and also the potential downsides and detriments of youth sports. So to start, um, they're, they're really, well, hmm. no, bring it back. To start, I want you to reflect on your own experience with youth sports, if any. So if you played youth sports, great. Um, I ask you to kind of think way back to that experience and reflect on what that was like and what you think you took from it and whether you enjoyed it or not. Um, whether you felt really pressured or not. And you can experience a vast array of things in, you know, one experience. Like you may have hated it sometimes, you may have loved it sometimes, you may have loved it, but still at the same time experienced stress and pressure. So just think about your experience with that. And if you don't have youth sport experience personally playing, think about people you know, or youth sports that you've seen, uh, maybe things that you've seen on television. This week, I'm asking you to watch the short game, which will give you quite a glimpse into a certain certain world of youth sports um, that's a little bit beyond like the YMCA league. I say I use the YMCA league as an example because I played YMCA sports for like my whole life until they basically kick you out from like five years old until high school. Um, So much love, much love for the YMCA. Okay, so first thing, that was the first thing. Second thing, I want you to think about uh, the social theories as they apply to youth sports. So we're talking about functionalism, and we're talking about conflict theory. So from a functional perspective, youth sports helps little kids to develop their personal skills and their social skills. Their ability to interact with others is shaped through this world. Um, They learn about themselves more. They might build confidence. In a perfect world, they build confidence and learn to feel really good about themselves. It also helps to prepare them for life. So it teaches responsibility. You've got to be somewhere at a certain time. Even if that means that your parents are driving you there, it still sets the tone for needing to be at a certain place at a certain time. 
you've got to follow directions. Uh, you've got people taking leadership positions. You've got people learning how to become followers. Not a bad thing in this sense. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so all of these things are, are things that can be learned and developed through youth sports if we're taking a functionalist perspective. So again, this is a uh, the perspective that youth sports serves our society and it plays a role and it helps to shape people in a way that's good for society. And then lastly, it promotes good health and fitness practices. Um, yes, ideally, yes, it does that. Uh, okay, from a conflict theory perspective, so now we're, we're becoming a little bit more critical, turning on the critical lens, thinking about youth sport. Uh, there is a lot of pressure and stress placed on young athletes. And this differs depending on the setting, but this is from a critical perspective, kind of suggests that this is, this is a thing that can happen and does happen. And then we see this with parents, coaches. Uh, I think it varies for sure, depending on what level we're looking at, whether we're looking at club sports or kind of more chill recreational type leagues. Um, but it also depends on particular parents and particular coaches. So the adults, if, I think from a conflict theory perspective, the adults really take on some major roles in youth sports. And they don't necessarily make it a positive experience. So everything that I just talked about from a functionalist perspective, if we're being critical, not not a lot of that holds true. Um, so the idea that, you know, you learn good life lessons, that you develop your confidence, you develop skills as a person, you develop the ability to socialize with others and work with others in a team setting. Um, less of that from this perspective, because it's really adults from the critical perspective. It's adults exerting control over kids and not not allowing the kids and the athletes to express themselves and kind of take ownership of their lives and their experience but rather um, it's very strict and controlled leagues it's strict and controlled practices so that's one piece of that um, and ultimately very self-serving if we take a critical lens towards youth sports where there's a lot of adults involved, um, self-serving. So is, are they profiting from this? Uh, are they living vicariously through their kids? Like you might see some of this in the short game when you watch that, uh, because, you know, some of these parents seem like they would love to have had the success that their children are having and just weren't able to do it themselves. So therefore they hope that their kids will have that success so that they can kind of live through that. Um, and then there's a lot of pressure, again, that, that comes with playing youth sports. So from this critical perspective, uh, they're really honing in on the fact that this isn't actually beneficial. In fact, it's probably causing harm and making things more difficult for the group that's not in power right? And that's the critical perspective, no matter what we're looking at. And in this case, the group that's not in power are the kids, are the athletes. And we see that 
through a critical lens. We see that in college sports as well um, and high school sports too. So that's kind of the two different angles that we can take on youth sports. So I encourage you to think about your own experience through those lenses because I think that can help to give you the best understanding is when you can look at your own life and think, oh, yeah, I see that. Okay, so um, what I want to actually bring up that you don't get out of the, the PowerPoint or the reading, I don't think, is uh, some of the work that Amanda Visick has done. So she's at George Washington University and has done quite a bit of work in understanding what young athletes think makes sports fun for them. So like, why is sport fun? And what she has found um, is that it's things like kids wanting to stay active, um, work hard, play together, put effort in and try their best. These are things that kids feel like makes, um, makes sport fun. So winning, um, they came up with ultimately after surveying kids and they, they've only surveyed soccer players in what I'm talking about here. So keep that in mind. Like we're talking soccer players, um, young soccer players and they, uh, they identified 81 determinants of fun. So that means that the kids named 81 things, 81 different things that they thought made sport fun. And winning was number 40. So it's interesting that in our society, kind of the norm is, and the, really the value is winning, right? And achieving and, you know, beating out other people, and young kids, though, did not say that as anywhere near one of the top reasons why sport was fun. So it's really interesting that earlier on, it's things like putting in effort and being active that makes it fun for them and not winning. So at some point, this winning thing becomes ingrained in us. And I think it's kind of pushed onto us just through our societal values, uh, because early on, that's not what seems to matter to them. Um, and there were differences depending on age a little bit and, uh, and also gender. Um, but those were kind of the main findings there. And I can actually post, I'll post that article for you. So uh, next thing I want to kind of touch on is the way that um, I guess the way that kids are socialized into sport. So how do they learn the norms of sport? Um, and socialization just means that they're, they're kind of coming into a system. They're learning how it works. Um, they're, they're starting to adopt the values. And so by being socialized into something, you really start to um, understand like what it's about. That was a really funky way of me saying that. So let me give you like really clear examples. Um, so think about 
how how kids are experiencing sport, right? Whether they come into organized sports or are just playing for fun, it's very different experiences. Um, so if they're socialized, when they're socialized into sport, meaning that they're being kind of adopted into this or indoctrinated into the system, when we think about organized sport, um, what what pushes kids in that direction or what pulls them in that direction. So first thing is the thing that's most important to kids at young ages, which are their families and their family members. So as we get older, our peers start to have more of an influence on us. But early on, um, right up until like teenage years, family has the greatest impact on a person and has the greatest influence. So when families are socializing their children into sport, there's a lot of different factors that can influence how it happens and even what sports that they are brought into, right? This can um, change and differ depending on socioeconomic status. So some families can afford the expensive sports, right? The tennis and golf and gymnastics. So sports that typically require a lot of money um, for coaching or for access to the facilities or for equipment. And then other families um, don't have so much. And then there's, you know, other families that land in the middle. So that's one thing that determines somewhat what sport a kid might be pushed into or pulled into. Um, once a child is in a sport and I'll go back to families, I guess. So it's not just socioeconomic status. It might be what parents are interested in. Um, that might play a role in what sport their child ends up participating in. So if your dad is obsessed with basketball, he might push you in that direction. Now that can have an impact one way or another. Uh, you know, if, um, if you, if you idolize your dad and you want to do everything he does, then you'll probably drift towards basketball as well. If he's made it a really pleasant experience for you your whole life, then you probably will drift into basketball. Um, but there's also uh, the potential that for whatever reason that drives you away from it. So either way, family and parents play a big role. Siblings play a big role as well in, in a similar way. Once you're in it, uh, once you're in a sport, what gets you to stay? Right, so coaches play a massive, massive role and have a huge impact on, on young athletes. And on athletes at any level, but um, definitely on young athletes. So how a coach coaches and how a coach makes kids feel during the process can ultimately have an impact on how much the kid enjoys the sport and how much they want to stay. Uh, and I, I'm sure you can envision coaches who might do a really good job of that, you know, and, and you've probably had the experience yourself as well, I would think. Um, even if it's not in a sport setting, like we know coaches and mentors who just do a really good job of supporting and teaching. And then there are others who do not. Right. And so that matters um, definitely in youth sports. Um, you know, this brings to mind for me a personal example of 
uh, when I was, I don't know how old I was. I was very small. I don't know, like six, seven. And I'd started gymnastics and I was like probably a couple months in and swinging on a bar. And I told my coach I was slipping off the bar and I was a really quiet kid. So for me to say anything, she probably should have recognized that that was a big deal for me to even voice that I was having difficulty. And I ended up slipping. She did not catch me. She said, Oh, I got you. I got you. So ultimately she did not have me. And I slipped off the bar, landed on my back, got the wind knocked out of me, which as a small child is the most terrifying thing to not be able to breathe. And yeah, that I was done, done with gymnastics forever. Um, I mean, that's really what like freaked me out and scared me away. And so that was one bad experience, right? Kind of an extreme one, but ultimately, I mean that it was related to my coach and how she handled things in her response. So even just a quick minute like that can really change a kid's experience of sport. Uh, what kids learn in school can also play a role. So like depending on what your PE classes look like, if it's something really enjoyable and it's made to be enjoyable, then you might be drawn more to sports. It might also depend on what sports are, are uh, played during PE. So if you play a lot of volleyball in PE, then you might realize, oh, I really like this or I really don't. And then at least you know that you want to drift towards that or you don't want to drift towards that. Um, then the last piece of this is what what kids see on TV, um, social media now. You know, there's professional athletes who, I mean, it, it simply depends on the athlete, depends on the child, um, depends on so many things, but they can be really great role models or they can be not so great role models, but regardless uh, and anywhere in between, but kids also pay attention to what's happening in the media and what professional athletes are doing. If they, you know, if they are attuned to that, if their families are into sports or if they have sports on in the background, these are things that kids will notice and pick up on. So ultimately a lot of that determines which way kids go with sports and that can have a lifelong impact on what sports they end up playing short-term, long-term, um, okay. A couple, so that was socialization into sport. Um, now I want, want to think about socialization via sport, which is kind of uh, the way I would state this in an overarching manner is really the values and norms and beliefs that we acquire as a result of participating in sport, but in a particular way. So Think about the differences in the messages that we are receiving subtly and not so subtly by participating in organized sport and sport that's run by adults versus peer group sport, meaning that it's, you know, just kind of a for fun out in the street in the cul-de-sac type thing. Um, so really organized by just you and your peers. Those are going to be really different experiences. And just quickly, when I th uh, think about that and those experiences, I think you learn much more in a peer group setting about creativity, about taking responsibility in some sense, um, which is it's different than the responsibility you would learn in sports that are organized by adults. 
because there might be much more ownership. Like kids might take much more ownership of sports that they're putting on with their, with their friends, right? That's going to look very different than when you have to go to practice and listen diligently and stand perfectly in line and, you know, be very obedient of whatever your coach says. Um, so those are kind of the two extremes, um, but really, and I guess there's not much in between. Um, there really is kind of just sport that you do for fun with your peers. And then there's the adult organized sports, which again, can both of these can range. They're on a spectrum of how elaborate, uh, how much money is floating around when it comes to the adult organized sport. And there's so many factors that come into play, but ultimately think about the messages and kind of the life lessons and values that kids are going to pick up from one setting versus another. Um, so I think in the peer group setting, there's probably more of an emphasis on fun, even on fairness to some extent, because kids will kind of naturally attempt to make things fair and even. Um, and an adult organized sport, interestingly, you know, this is kind of where we start to see cheating happen because in this adult organized sport, there's this mentality of win at all costs, which isn't necessarily a theme in just playing sports for fun with your friends um, until it's kind of implanted via organized sport. So just interesting that there's almost more, I think, more potential for fairness in peer group developed sport rather than adult organized, where it's the focus starts to become much more on winning and success. So ultimately, um, with with all these things, I'm going to keep in, keep emphasizing this in this class. There's not there's not a right or wrong, good or bad. So you know neither one of those things, whether kids are learning through and participating in peer organized sport or peer group sport versus adult organized, they're going to learn different things and neither one is better than the other. I mean, we can each hold our own opinion on it, but I would say that neither one can be deemed completely better than the other. It's simply that they're different and there are gonna be different lessons taken away from each. Um, but on that note, some of the issues that come with uh, adult run sports are the one, simply the involvement of adults. Uh, I think the lessons that kids can learn in these settings sometimes are not healthy. And you'll see that in the short game. Uh, gosh, they're so, I'm not, they're not coming to mind for me now, but there's so much out there on Netflix, probably Canopy as well, that breaks down, um, you know, the experience of youth sports. Um, what's the one I'm thinking of? Mighty... Mighty Tykes? Mm, I don't know. Maybe I'll find it and post it. Um, it's on Netflix. But there, I mean, there's some out there where you see the adults are just absolutely so passionate. I'll say it that way. Very passionate about their kids playing a certain way and having a particular experience um, when really, you know, what are, the, what are the motives behind that? Um, is it 
to win? Is it because they want their kid to be the best and look good? Is it because they want to look good and have vicarious success? So um, anyways, adults basically can get crazy when it comes to youth sport. Um, so fighting, yelling at refs, yelling at athletes. Um, there's a lot of this kind of hyper-competitive mentality, and it can come out behaviorally in some really ugly ways with adults sometimes. Now, that's not to say that there can't be more positive experiences through adults. Like if someone really knows how to coach effectively and teach kids effectively and knows how to build their confidence, build their sense of self-efficacy, you know, and encourage these really valuable skills, cool. Like, I think that's wonderful. Um, And we need to identify that both of those things can happen. Uh, I guess violence is another theme that we can see with adults in youth sports. So like I said, the, the fighting and even encouragement of fighting or encouragement of aggression um, by adults, like wanting kids to be more aggressive and violent is also something that can happen. Um, but again, on the other side of things, there's also the potential that uh, an adult can effectively teach a kid, teach kids how to effectively manage um, frustration, anger, uh, potentially violent situations through youth sport. So there's definitely an opportunity for it to be beneficial. Okay, last couple of problems I'll mention are just that this participating in sport, especially as kids start to get older, can have an impact on um, on their education. There can just be a heavy, heavy emphasis on sport and it might distract from school. There's also potential that they become injured pretty young. Um, so, you know, things like like people, like baseball players, for instance, getting Tommy John surgery because of, um, you know, constant pitching. Uh, so therefore, like, arms just get worked. And if if a kid starts pitching really, really young and just, like, pitches and pitches for years, more likelihood that they're going to experience overuse injury later in life. So that's why it's also really good that kids experience different sports and get to play different sports. Um, That's one reason why that's good. It's also good to just kind of give kids different experiences. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to emphasize as far as youth sports go. I think there's a lot there to think about. I threw a lot at you, but it also wasn't crazy dense. I more so skim the surface and I want you to think more in depth about this, especially as you watch um, the short game and write your papers and um, yeah, just keep thinking about the, the value of youth sports and then the potentially negative aspects of youth sports and um, potentially how could it look different. So it's another thing to, to kind of contemplate is how could youth sports look different and in a way that could potentially improve the experiences that kids have.